It is so good to see all of you again. This past week, Trey and I went to a conference in New York City, so we didn't get to be here last Tuesday, and so we have missed you, but I also heard Pastor Victor did a great job. Thank the Lord for Pastor Victor. He's so much more handsome than I am, so we got to thank him for that. For those of you that I haven't gotten the chance to meet yet, my name is Derek, and I am the director here of Chi Alpha. If this is your first time, I just want to say thank you for joining us, or this is your first time back in a while. Again, thank you for being here. I know that it can sometimes take some courage to go and try something new, so thank you. I'd Love to meet you after service if we haven't met yet. We are currently in the middle of our sermon series entitled Ready for Revival. This word revival means simply to like come back to life, to revive something. So we're praying for two parts of this. So we want revival in our hearts. We want to see our hearts come back to life and become hungry for the things of God. And then as this happens, we're praying that revival will flow out to our campus where we'll see the 10,000 students of you and I come to know Jesus as they come back to life with God. Tonight we'll be reading out of Mark chapter 14, so if you have a Bible with you, pull that out, you can get it on your phone, it also will be on the screen. So Mark chapter 14, it'll be verses 3 through 9. And so as we get ready to read this, I just want us to kind of quiet our souls, to focus in, because it's going to be easy as we read these things to just kind of get distracted. But as we listen to the word of God, let's come in with a sense of awe and wonder of what God wants to speak to us. Zero in and really try to picture this story. So be Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. While he, as in Jesus, was in Bethany, he was reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked this woman harshly. Leave her alone says Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Our sermon title tonight is Devotion and a Time of Revival. Devotion and a Time of Revival, and let us pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we pray that you can speak to us tonight, that everything that is said from here will be just an honor and a glory to you, Jesus. We just pray that you can show up. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. So, in, back in 2011, Apple announced the iPhone 4S. Did anyone have that iPhone? Raise your hand if you had the iPhone 4S. Oh, nice. Nice. Me too. What was special about this iPhone is it included, for the fir- very first time, Siri. I remember when I was in, j- I was in jazz band practice, and we're like, bro, we're going to have someone talking to us on our phones, and it was horrible and didn't respond well. Siri still doesn't work very well, but that's all right. Now we can't imagine if we couldn't say, hey, Siri, I want to see if my phone did something. Oh, it did. Thank you. Nice to see you too, Siri. That day that it was announced, there's this guy named Rob Shoesmith, and he was so excited about this idea of getting talked to by a virtual assistant that he rushed to his local Apple store in London just to wait in line. He waited in line 10 days, well over 200 hours, just to get his hands on this iPhone. He sat outside the store in a very uncomfortable place, really awkward as people walked by. He probably started to smell a little funky just to get this phone. I think it's safe to say that this man was devoted, right? And I think as people, as like humans, we are a devoted people. So I want you to think about your own life. 
Think about, are there some things in your life that you would almost die for? For example, maybe you're really devoted to your sports team. People will spend hours upon hour watching their team. They'll spend money for gear or tickets. They'll argue with other people. Clearly, Daniel will argue with other people as he's pointing people down, saying, I'll argue. People will cry when their teams lose or be filled with joy when their teams win. For example, the 49ers and Chiefs fans are probably pretty excited, filled with gladness. Dang right, there are. We have too many 49ers fans. Lord, we pray for the Chiefs. Anyways, just kidding. People are devoted to their sports teams. Maybe that's not your thing. People are also really devoted if they find that guy or girl that just makes them swoon. Like, you're my boo thing. You're everything I could ever need. People are devoted to their significant others. And all people are dating, look at each other across the aisle like, dang, you look good. They're all excited. They're devoted to their boyfriend or girlfriend. You'll spend money on them. You'll give all your time for them. You'll do anything for them. People are devoted to their schooling where you'll sacrifice hours upon hours just to get good grades. People are really devoted to their political party. Ooh, go there. People will ruin relationships if someone's on the other side of the political spectrum. We'll be so filled with joy if our candidate wins in despair when they lose. For example, back in 2016 when Trump won, this campus like shut down as people mourned. There were literal marches of protest on campus. People were devastated. 2020 was not any better. In 2020, when Biden won, people were so angry that they literally stormed the Capitol out of anger. Christians in particular got in despair about a political candidate. People are devoted to their politics. And you're like, yeah, my mom argues with everyone on Facebook. It's okay. <laughs> people will be devoted to other things, devoted to their bodies, where they'll spend hours upon hours at the gym just to look good. We'll be devoted to entertainment where we binge season after season. We get so devoted to really menial things like restaurants. There is such a cultural divide over raising canes versus Chick-fil-A. And no matter where you stand on that side of the aisle, you're probably relatively passionate about it. And this devotion can be a beautiful thing if our devotion is placed in the right thing, or rather, the right person. Our story tonight tells us of a very devoted woman. Let's go back to Mark 14, 3. It says this, While Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman. We're going to stop there. A woman. This woman. Let's learn about the woman. So the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, often have a lot of overlap. In Luke chapter 7, we read a story that most scholars think is just a retelling of what we just read in Mark 14. Some people say this is two different women doing a very similar thing. Some people say, think it's the same woman, but they both illustrate the same point. So from going forward, as we're going to jump around the Bible a little bit, we're going to, we're going to just assume that they're all the same woman because they probably are and ultimately doesn't make much of a difference. So let's jump to Luke's account of this same story. It says in Luke 7, 37, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. A woman who was a sinner. A woman. In this time period, just being female would have made you look down upon simply because of their gender. But this woman didn't let her culture define her devotion. She's like, I don't care about gender roles. I'm going to Jesus. We need some excitement in that. She went against societal norms just to get close to Jesus. But not only was she just a woman, she was also a woman who was a sinner. Her life was defined probably by sexual promiscuity and running from God. She was sinful. She was a person who did not belong at this table with Jesus. Yet, Jesus welcomed her. It's clear that our past sins do not disqualify us from present-day devotion. 
So no matter what you've done, no matter what society says about you, there's nothing you've done to screw up too bad for King Jesus. Jesus takes the one person, a sinful woman, that according to society has been farthest from him and says, come on over. Nothing you've done has disqualified you from devotion to Jesus. Our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin does not get in the way of God wants to do in your life. So this woman comes, and she gives Jesus an offering. What is the woman's offering, though? So she comes to the feet of Jesus, and she actually offers up four different things to Jesus. We're going to walk through all four. So going back to Luke's account of the story, it says in Luke 7, 38, and she stood behind him at, her, at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So this woman's first offering to Jesus was her tears. She wet his feet with tears. This woman wasn't just giving Jesus some half-hearted devotion. She wasn't like, ah, I guess I'm supposed to sit at your feet, so I will. No, she was passionate about Jesus. She gave him her emotions. Our emotions matter to God. God deserves everything, including our emotions. God deserves our passion. We should get a little excited about the things of Jesus. We should not treat Jesus like a five-day-old ham sandwich. We should not treat him, oh, just something I have to deal with, I guess, because there's nothing else in the fridge. No, Jesus is better than that. Jesus deserves everything. But I think often we just follow Jesus because we're supposed to. I guess I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this meal. Amen. You're not, a, just don't pray then. You don't want to pray. It's fine. I think sometimes we'll just like, I'll read scripture because I'm supposed to. We do a lot of things in this Christian life because we're supposed to and we lack passion for God. It's my question for you tonight. When's the last time you cried in prayer? Our tears show our emotion. When's the last time you cried thinking about the goodness of God? When's the last time you got a little bit worked up because of who Jesus is? Our prayer time should be a time of passionately crying out to God. We offer up our tears, our emotions. The presence of God should impact us. If we can go through times of worship or times of prayer with God without it impacting us, without it sparking passion, tears, stirring our heart, then there's clearly something going on inside of us that's holding back from God. If we get more passionate about our sports team than we do God, the problem's not God, the problem is us. If we get more passionate about our schoolwork or our relationships or something else, and we can't get passionate about Jesus, that's showing us that something's a little off. God should stir passion inside of us. I think often when we don't feel God, we blame God. God, I don't feel you. Where are you? It's not God's fault. It's on us to get a soft heart where we're willing to offer up even our emotions to him. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, well, I'm just not an emotional person. Like, I struggle to get passionate about anything, including Jesus. That doesn't mean you get to stay that way. I think we often like to give ourselves excuses, myself very much included. We think, like, I'm not wired that way. I can't get passionate in worship and prayer. It's not who I am. Well, let's say you're naturally angry. Does that give you the right to just blow up at random people and cuss them out? Because that's the way I'm wired. I'm just naturally a jerk. I'm going to cuss them out when they cut me off. That's how God made me, fearfully and wonderfully made. No, we don't get to say, that's the way I'm wired. I'm a sinner. I'm a luster. No, we don't say for those things, but we're like, I'm just naturally not going to get excited about Jesus. If we struggle with anger, we know we need to fight that to honor God. So if you struggle with being passionate and giving Jesus your emotion, then you need to fight that in order to honor God. We need to offer up our tears. 
This past week, I was at a prayer conference, like I said, in New York, and I'm not a naturally emotional person at all. Ask my wife. I'm just like kind of just going with the flow. Not a crier. Doesn't happen too often. But this conference stirred me. We were having a time of worship, and I was filled with gratitude, specifically about Taylor and I, my wife, and I have twin boys, and it was a crazy experience them coming and being born. I just was overwhelmed with emotion. I just started weeping at the presence of God. I was reminded in that moment of all the tears that I shed as I, Taylor and I, it took us a year to get pregnant, and I cried a lot in that season just wanting God to move. It reminded me of all those times of praying and crying out to God. And in this moment, I felt the small whisper of God, which usually means he's about to say something I don't like very much. And he gave me this small whisper, and he said, Hey, Derek, so you cried out for your boys with emotion, passion, tears for them. Will you do the same thing for lost students at UNI? Only when it's about you and your life. I was like, oh, God, don't say that. I was just trying to have a good moment. You're being a buzzkill. We should be so moved by our desire to be hungry for God and so moved by our desire to see the students on our campus come to know Jesus, so hungry for revival, that we just have to offer up our passion to God. So be passionate in prayer. If you can get passionate about other things, we can be passionate about God. Her second offering was her comfort zone, so her tears and her comfort zone. It says that she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. I don't know about you, but I think when we read stuff like that, we just kind of keep going. We don't really think what, just, what they just said. A woman coming up to a strange man, taking her hair out and washing his feet sounds really uncomfy to me. Visualize what's happening here. She gets on the ground next to Jesus. His feet are down here. They might stink a little bit. Even though he's God, he probably has some smelly feet still. All right, and she's down there, and she just it comes over her. I got to take my hair out. So she like, takes it out, and she just starts washing it. I whip my hair back and forth all over his hair, his feet. That sounds uncomfortable to me. Jesus might have been like, this is nice of you, but weird. Imagine people watching. They're like, what is happening right now? That is not cordial in this environment. But she did not care about her comfort zone. She just said, I want to worship King Jesus. I don't care what it makes me look like. So will you get uncomfortable for God? Yes, it's uncomfortable to get up early to come spend time with Jesus. It can be uncomfortable to get up at 6.30 to come to the Chi Alpha prayer room on Thursday mornings. It might be a little uncomfortable to pray passionately with people around you. It might be uncomfortable to raise your hands in worship. It might be uncomfortable to tell your boyfriend or your girlfriend that you can't keep doing sexual things with them because you want to be more devoted to Jesus. It might be uncomfortable to be sacrificially generous. It might be uncomfortable to work a little bit less so you can spend more time doing the things God has asked of you, even though your bank account might just get a little bit smaller. Yes, sometimes following Jesus is uncomfortable, but I hate to break it to us tonight. Our comfort zones are not Jesus' top priority. He doesn't really care if we're uncomfortable. He loves us. He wants us to be pursuing him and have good things, but Jesus knows that sometimes it takes a little uncomfortable to get the best things. For example, if you want to get fit, it's a little uncomfortable when you start working out, right? No one just starts lifting weights and instantly is jacked out of their mind. You got to get a little uncomfortable first, right? The best things take some uncomfort. God's not worried about your comfort. He's worried about your sanctification, which means how much you look like him. That's what he cares about. If you want to be fully devoted follower of Jesus, it's going to require you to get uncomfortable. Her third offering, she offers up her pride. We're like, this just keeps getting more intense and tense. First, I got to cry. Now I'm getting uncomfortable. Now I have to be humble. Thank you, Derek. Welcome back. It'll be good. So what it says in our story, it says that the woman lowered herself to the feet of Jesus. This is humbling. The feet of someone is not like 
the place of pride or like, thank you for honoring me. No, that's you like saying, getting as low as possible. Like, God, you're up there. I don't belong. She humbled herself. In order for us to be devoted to Jesus, we must be willing to give up our pride and humble ourselves before God. Imagine you're in this woman's shoes for a moment. Everyone knows she's a sinner. They all make sure to make fun of her for it. They all know you're junk. Imagine you're her. They know every dumb thing you've ever done. And she doesn't just come in mighty. She's weeping. I don't think this, like, you know how some people have, like, really cute cries, which is like a tear trickles, and it's like, oh, I love you, Jesus. I don't think it was like that. This girl's got an ugly cry going on. She, her mascara, she's, like, wiping it for Jesus because she's bawling. This is not looking cute, right? This wasn't a cute cry. no. This is uncomfortable. She's got an ugly cry and she goes to the feet of Jesus, showing her lowliness. This would have been embarrassing for her. But she didn't care. She didn't care what people thought about her. She just wants to care what God thinks of her. In a different part of the Bible, Luke chapter 18, we read of this guy named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was the low life of society. He was blind, poor, a beggar. And in this story, we read about him begging on the side of the road as Jesus walks by. And he hears about Jesus, doesn't see him, obviously he's blind, but he hears about Jesus, and he cries out, Jesus, son of David! And he starts crying out to Jesus to come and be with him. And then the people around him are like, shut up, Bartimaeus, they like start like squishing him. You know when you're excited about something and you're feeling good, then your friends, someone make, makes fun of you, makes you feel small for it, like how dare you be so excited? Well, I know how that feels. It happens to me kind of a lot. Actually, just a couple weeks ago, I was playing on the worship team at church, and I was playing electric guitar, which I don't do very much. I'm not that good at it. Like, everyone else was gone, so I had to do it. And I start playing. I haven't played in a couple of years, and I start feeling kind of good about myself. I'm like, this sounds pretty good. So I turn it down so no one else can hear it because that would be embarrassing. But I start kind of going to town a little bit, getting a little funky, having fun, and I just hear my, my headphones. In case you're wondering, these guys all have headphones, and when Trey talks into this mic right here, we don't hear it, it goes to the headphones. Anyways, Trey, I just hear Trey, bro, stop playing. We can all hear that. I'm like, oh, I was crushed. I was so excited. I'm like, I thought I was a rock star again. He's like, don't do that. I was excited, but now I was a little embarrassed. The worst part, though, is after this service, Taylor, my wife, comes up to me and she says, <laughs> did Trey tell you to stop playing in the mic? I'm like, girl, mind your business, okay? Quit watching me. Ah, oh, it ticked me off. She thought she was so hilarious. Anyways, that moment of just really feeling like a dum-dum in the back playing the guitar, that's how Bartimaeus felt. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, he's excited. But the people around him say, hush, hush. He didn't care. Luke 18 says this, verse 39. Those who led the way, the people around him, they rebuked him, and they told him, be quiet. Oh, I love this part of the verse. But he shouted all the more. They're telling him, be quiet. Don't be so excited. Don't get excited for Jesus. He just shouts all the more. He tells them, mind your business. He's getting excited because he wants to meet with Jesus. He didn't care what the people around him thought of him. He shouted more. He was willing to embarrass himself. And the woman in our story tonight was the exact same way. She did not care what people thought of her. She just wanted to impress Jesus. She was willing to embarrass herself to worship him. So the honest question tonight is, do you ever let embarrassment get in the way of your devotion? Maybe you're scared to pray out loud in your dorm because people might hear you. Maybe you're scared to pray out loud in a small group because it might be embarrassing. You might say the wrong thing. Maybe you don't tell your friends about Jesus because you're embarrassed of what they'll think of you. Maybe you don't raise your hands in worship because you're scared someone's going to look at you when everyone's looking forward and not at you. We must offer up our pride to be devoted to Jesus. And this is hard. This is really hard. 
Every day when I go and work out in the gym, I feel like the Lord is like, go talk to this person about Jesus. And like nine times out of 10, I say, no, thank you. I got to keep going. And I, I don't want to get embarrassed. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to look huge in here, God. Like, get off me, okay? This is my time. We often let our little egos get in the way of devotion to Jesus. At least I know I do. But why do we care so much? Who cares what people think of you? Ultimately, I want you to imagine this. When you get to the end of your days, do you think you'll be sitting there thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have embarrassed myself so much. No, you'll be thinking, ah, I wish I was all in for Jesus. I wish they would be here because I was willing to go out of my comfort zone to talk about Jesus. You'll be thinking, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I was embarrassed of you. You'll be thinking, I wish I didn't let other people's opinions define my devotion. We gotta get crazy sometimes for Jesus. We gotta be willing to get a little crazy in worship, to pray exuberantly in your dorms, pray out loud in small group this week. Gosh darn it. It is time to pray out loud. I promise you're not bad at prayer. It's not possible to be bad at prayer. You cannot be bad at it. It's talking to God. Pray out loud. Let's get a little crazy. Luke 9, 26 says this, and this verse haunts me. Who, this is Jesus talking. Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man, as in Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Jesus is saying, if you are ashamed of me, then I'm gonna be ashamed of you. And I don't know about you, but I do not want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I am not interested in getting to the end of my days and Jesus saying, I don't even know you because you're embarrassed by me. If you don't want Jesus to be ashamed of you, we can't be ashamed of him. So if you fear God, this is the beauty. When we fear God, we don't have to fear anybody else because he's God, right? If God's on your side, you're doing good. When we fear God, we don't have to care what people think. Let's be a people. My prayer for Chi Alpha this semester is that we fear God more than we fear man, that we care what does God think of me way more than what the people around us think of us. This woman showed this life by offering her pride. She also wasn't doing this act of devotion to earn something. God does not love us more when we're devoted to him. So I think sometimes we think if we do all the right things, check the boxes, then God will actually love me. God loves you right now. The beauty of the gospel is there's absolutely nothing you can do to either earn or lose the love of God. No matter what you do, his opinion's gonna stay the same as you. And we like the sound of that, but to be honest, deep down, I think we hate that. Like, I wish I could earn the love of God. Then we can feel better about ourselves. At least I do. But then it's often to think that if we can't earn it, though, then we can't lose it. This woman did not worship Jesus to earn something. She did it just because she loved him. And also our devotion to Jesus isn't to make us look good to our Christian friends. As we see later in this story, this woman's devotion actually made the religious people around her quite uncomfortable. If we're worshiping Jesus exuberantly to look good to other Christians, if we're doing the Jesus thing to look like we have it all together, to impress our small group leader or staff member, don't do it for that reason. No, we don't live to please man. We live to please God around here. Chi Alpha will be a place where we live to please God. This woman's humility was shown in the absolute removal of self. It's clear from this act, it wasn't about her. It was all about worshiping Jesus. Our lives gotta be the same way. We don't do things for God, for our image, for our place, our worth, because God loves you right where you're at. God loves you so much already. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to perform for him. And that should cause gratitude where we just wanna be devoted to him. Her final offering was her costly perfume. Mark tells us that this alabaster jar of perfume could have been sold for more than a year's wages. So this was not the Walmart perfume. She got the good stuff, baby. That better smelled good if it was worth a whole year's of wages. 
We can assume from the context that this woman was not wealthy. This jar then had one of two purposes most likely. It was either a family heirloom that was passed down from generation to generation, or it was being saved for her wedding day. A lot of times in this society, the way you would like get a man is by giving up what's called a dowry or giving something expensive to like pour out an offering for your husband. That's jacked up. We don't even talk about that today. So she would have this alabaster jar of perfume was either like really sentimental from her family or it was a tool to get something she really, really wanted, which was a husband. So this jar was not just financially valuable. This jar had sentimental value. This jar was deeply meaningful to this woman. And the beauty of this story, the best part of the whole story, is she doesn't take the jar of perfume, open it up, and take out a little bit and like put it on Jesus' feet. She doesn't just give, her, give him a little bit of what she got. No, she smashes the jar so she can lather it all over him. And that means there's no going back now. This woman didn't want to have to go back to something else. She smashed it and said, Jesus, I'm all in. The breaking of this jar shows that the woman was all in for Jesus. She's not holding anything back from him. Jesus did not just have her devotion. This is the important part. Jesus had her undivided devotion. She was all in. Are we all in? In your life with God, do you break the jar to be devoted to Jesus or do you try to hold some stuff back? Do you give God everything you've got or do you try to keep some things for yourself? Is there anything off limits to God? I think often we do give God some perfume. For example, you're here. That's an offering. You're giving up your time and I'm really glad you're here. That's an offering. So we'll give Jesus some things, some time. We'll sacrifice certain parts of our lives. But often... We only give him a divided devotion. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus is not just after your devotion. Jesus wants your undivided devotion. And the thing that divides our devotion is what we will call idols. Idols, things that we give too much importance to. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods, says this, An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that you, should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. Idols are things that suck up our time, our emotions, our energy, and our attention that rightfully belongs to the Lord. And idols are not usually bad things. It's usually actually really good gifts of God that we put too much value in. If there's anything in your heart that rivals God comes an idol. An idol is something that we won't break to pour out for God. We won't smash it for him. Maybe for you, this jar of perfume, this idol is your future. You care so much about becoming somebody, getting a good job, that you devote your whole life to your school, your resume. You'll fail to devote time to God just because you just have to get success. You've got to get security. I just have to impress my parents. They've got to think highly of me. Or maybe your jar of perfume is sports. You spend all your time and energy watching them. You get passionate about your team. You get angry and they lose. You spend countless hours watching sports. It takes away time from God. You won't give up your devotion to sports or any TV show or anything to increase your devotion to Jesus. If sports are causing you to sin through you getting angry, it's time to break that perfume jar. Maybe your jar is your relationship. You spend all your time with your significant other. You choose doing sexual things with them, which robs you of your holiness. You choose sexual pleasure over devotion to Jesus. 
And Jesus is quite clear that we are to run from sexual morality. Remember, this woman was a sexually sinful woman. She didn't break open her jar and start following Jesus, but continue to live a life of sexual morality. No, she gave everything to Jesus and she ran from her sin and devotion to God. Maybe for you, this jar is some kind of social standing, like being able to go out and party and do whatever you want, or trying to just do anything it takes to make friends because you're nervous that's how you'll get value, and you're just too scared to give that part of your life up. We're just scared to break these jars. If it's some relationship, whether it's with like a boy or girl or it's with friends and it's not causing you to, it's harmful for your walk with Jesus, sometimes we're too scared to break that jar, to end a relationship, to be with God. Or maybe you put your value in what people think of you. You spend time worrying about, you stay up all night, did I say the right thing? Did I screw that up? All your thought life goes to some other person besides God. Maybe your jar is comfort. You'll follow Jesus as long as it doesn't make you uncomfortable. You'll do whatever you can to have time on the couch, time on your phone. You don't want to sacrifice for him. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I can do everything else I want. I feel that some of us are going to let a fear of discomfort keep us from stepping into all that God has for us. Let me get really real for a second. I think some of us in here have a call of leadership over our lives, that God's going to ask you to step into small group leadership to lead other students and disciple. But our fear of discomfort, of maybe being bad at it, or of not having enough time or energy is going to keep us from stepping into something that God is asking you to do. Don't let your fear of discomfort or fear of failing keep you from being used by God. Smash that jar and say, God, whatever you want, you can have it. Yes, things like leadership can be hard and and uncomfortable and challenging. That is life with God. Maybe for you, this jar is your finances, so you won't smash it and be generous, or you won't stop working so much because you need security, you need a bank account. You'll give God some of your finances, but you won't break the jar. Maybe your jar is entertainment. You just have to have time on TikTok or video games or a TV show or YouTube. Even though those things rob you from time in prayer, if you're spending more hours on YouTube than prayer, then it might be time to check our motivations and our affections. I'll be honest with you, this one is hard for me, Right? I value, I love all the Percy Jackson show. It's rocking my world. I read the books, I love it. And it's okay to watch some TV. We'll get there in a second. But not if it robs us from time with God. Sometimes I need to break that jar of entertainment and say Jesus is worth more than sitting on the couch. Maybe there's something else in your life. Maybe I didn't cover it. But I want you to think, is there something in your life that if God asked you to break it, you wouldn't do it? Is there something that that's too much to ask God? Maybe you need to break it so you can have undivided devotion to Jesus. And remember, all, most of those things I just said, most of them are not bad in themselves. It is not wrong to get good grades. Please get good grades. Don't drop out and say, my pastor told me to. That gets me in trouble at the university. Don't do that. I didn't study because pastor said it's okay. No, don't get me in trouble. It's not bad to watch sports. It's not bad to date. It's not bad to have fun and watch TV. Those are all fine, good things. But they just got to be properly ordered. I'm not saying you got to get rid of everything and spend 24 hours a day in prayer and become a monk. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is we must have our affections properly ordered. John Tyson says that true freedom is the freedom to have our affections rightly ordered. That means all these, most of these things I said can be healthy parts of your life as long as they come after Jesus. And if something comes where they get in the way of our relationship with God, we must be willing to break them in order to be devoted to Jesus. This woman, she was all in even though it cost her. She offered up everything to be devoted to Jesus. Will you do the same? After she does this, there are some disciples, like real intense followers of Jesus, and religious people all around her. And they're really astonished by what she did. They're like, wow, is it a good astonishment? 
Well, let's find out. Mark 14 says this. Some of these present, those are the religious people, were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, the money given to the poor, and they rebuked the woman harshly. Ooh, the religious response. The religious response to her devotion is anger. This could have gone to the poor. They proclaim that this perfume could have had a much better use than to use it to worship Jesus doing a righteous act, taking care of the poor. Like, there's so many better things this could have been for. And in this moment, I imagine the woman, again, she's kneeling, her hair's kind of out, and they're making fun of her. But I imagine that she's sent back in time in her head. Because see, this story we're reading tonight is also told in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, we learn that this woman has a name, and her name is Mary. She is Mary, the sister of Martha. And so as Mary hears these religious people getting upset at her for showing her devotion, I actually picture her giggling a little bit. Like she's weeping. You know, sometimes like people laugh when they cry. She's like, <laughs> like, like laughing and crying at the same time. She starts to giggle a little bit. She's thinking to herself, ho, 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 you religious people don't know a thing about my King Jesus. It says in Luke 10, it's a different part of Mary's life. As Jesus and his disciples are on their way, Jesus came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, that's our same Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. She devoted her time to sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. But Martha, her sister, was distracted by all the preparations that she had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Actually, it's only just one. Your sister Mary, she's chosen what's better. And it's not going to be taken away from her. Mary chose what was better, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is telling us in this story that working for God is not as important as worshiping God. He's telling us that you better not let serving God get in the way of knowing God. And so Mary realizes these religious people are thinking that the key to having a relationship with Jesus is doing the right thing. She knows you don't have it correct. Jesus tells us it's better to worship Jesus and be devoted to him to, than to serve the poor. And I think they use this one because Jesus really cared about serving the poor. We should serve the poor. That's important. He talks about it all the time. But we don't do that before we're devoted to God. So it's not only the idols that got to be properly ordered behind God. Even our good works for God cannot come before knowing God. Having devotion and relationship to him is more important than anything else you do. What we do for God does not matter if we're not devoted and worship to God. It's our top priority. The really funny part of the story is there was one disciple who was really particularly annoyed with Mary for not using his money for the poor. Well, this would be Judas. Uh, have you heard of him? Look where that led him, his nice religious acts. He's the one who betrayed Jesus and like got him killed. So that's not the path we necessarily want to go on. So let's not be Judas. Let's prioritize devotion to Jesus. If you don't want to be Judas, worship Jesus. And probably other things as well. He also like made fun of people. So if you want to not be Judas, don't make fun of the hungry people around you, like laughing at them for getting crazy in worship. Do that. That's the path of Judas, and we want to avoid that at all costs. Mary is showing us that we must prioritize devotion to Jesus. Now for us, let's go into the 21st century. We can't practically get perfume and pour it on Jesus' literal feet. So what does this look like for us? 
Well, when Jesus is praising Mary for her act, at the end of his story, he says this, Mark 14, 8, she did what she could. She did what she could. She did what she could. Devotion means you've got to do what you can. There's two parts to this verse, very simple. First one, she did. Devotion means doing something. Devotion is not just sitting on the couch hoping you'll love God more. Devotion is not just having the right feelings. Devotion requires action. In this story, we read up to eight verbs. It says the woman learned, brought, wept, washed, a bunch of verbs. The woman acted. Devotion is not about our inner feelings. Devotion is not just doing stuff when we got the spiritual heebie-jeebies. No, devotion means we act no matter what's going on inside of me. You gotta do something, all right? Devotion requires action. So what does she do? The second part of the verse, she did what she could. She didn't try to be somebody else. She didn't try to be Peter or John, the disciples. She did what she could. She gave what she had to offer, her tears, her comfort zone, her pride, and her perfume. That's what she had, so that's what she gave up. Devotion is not about you being some spiritual giant. It's about doing what you can. This means you don't ever have to worry about, you can release this right now, you never have to worry about not being smart enough, not understanding enough of the Bible, not being good enough at prayer, which is not, you can't be bad at prayer. You don't have to worry that you don't understand the Bible. So let's say reading the Bible is really hard for you and you struggle to understand it. Maybe reading comprehension is not your skill and you're like, this is really hard to read the Bible. You can choose to read it even though it's hard. Devotion isn't reading it and getting a deep insight from God and then giving up and giving a sermon that rocks the world to your small group. Devotion is doing what you can. If you can read it and you only remember one thing, you're like, well, Jesus loves me. That's what I learned the last 10 days. Then great, you'll learn that Jesus loved you. Do what you can. Don't worry about who God did not make you to be. Worry about who God did make you to be. Do what you can. Don't worry that you're not doing your devotional time good enough because there's someone in your small group that's like, I learned 400 things, memorized 30 verses. You're like, well, I read a chapter. Great, welcome to the club. It's okay, do what you can. Let's say you struggle, oh, this is me, to focus. You got like ADD. <laughs> My boy's in the back, they got it, they got ADD. You struggle to focus. So this idea of sitting in silence and waiting on God is hard. Maybe this is you when you're like sitting in silence. You're like, Hmm, squirrel. Hmm, what am I having for breakfast? Hmm, that girl was cute at Kai off last night. And that happens, right? And you're like, your mind keeps getting distracted. Guess what? That's all right. It's okay to get distracted. What can you do? Can you change your brain wiring to make it so you never get distracted? No, but you can choose to set aside time every day to sit in silence and try your best. Don't worry about doing it right. Just worry about doing it. Jesus is not mad at you for getting distracted during your time in prayer. Just gotta show up. You just gotta show up. You cannot force yourself to have great spiritual moments, but you can choose to show up and give God time. Do what you can. So even if you feel like you're bad at prayer, which again is not possible, pray anyways and trust Jesus to fill the gaps. So practically, you can choose to set aside time every single day to pray and read the Bible. You can choose to get up early and have a devotional life. You can choose to come to our prayer room. You can choose to set aside time every day to pray. You can choose to come to this room and pray then. We got four options for you. Do you want to come on campus? We got two options for you. Tuesday, 12 to 1. You got class till 12.15? Great. See you at 12.30. You got class at 1? Great. See you till 12.30. We'll be just fine. 
Maybe you're like, ah, I'm busy. Are you busy at 7 in the morning? If not, we got an option for you. Thursday morning, 7 to 8. We can go earlier if we need to. I'll be there at 6 if that's what it takes to get you there. You're like, I don't want to pray on campus. Oh, we got options for you, baby. How about Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. at Scent Church? We'd love to see you there. Wednesday's 12 to 1. We got options. Can you choose to come to the prayer room and have your life absolutely rocked? No. Can you choose to show up? Sure can. Show up and trust God to meet you there. I think most of us are probably free at 6 a.m. Going to the prayer room, going forward, that's one of the most important things we do around here. Things are going to look a little different. We're going to spend a lot of time in prayer because doing this on our own doesn't really work. So we're going to prioritize the presence of God. Sacrifice some sleep to be with Jesus. The beauty is on the Tuesday one at 12, we're going to be praying for this service, asking God to move. It's so important. Guess what? We did it today, and God's already been moving in power in our pre-service prayer. Crazy things already happened. Maybe choose to fast lunch and come here on Tuesdays and pray in the union. So here's what the freedom of tonight's talk is. You do not have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't got to be the deepest person in the room. You just need to give God whatever you got and trust him with the rest. Back in the summer of 2021, Taylor and I were talking about starting to try for a baby. When we got married in 2016, we decided we'd wait three to five years. Three years came. Taylor was ready. I'm like, no, no, no. I meant five years, five to seven maybe. And so then we waited two more years. We got to the fifth year, 2021. And she's like, there's no running away now. It's 2021. She was ready. She's like, I want to be a mama. And I'm like, oh, gosh, help me. I was nervous. I wasn't interested in, to be really honest, I wasn't interested in having kids at all at that point in time. I was like, ah, I'm good. They're back there. Don't listen in 10 years. <laughs> so we talked that summer, and I told Taylor, I'm not ready. I just, be honest, I don't have it inside me to want that. So we decided we were going to pray. We asked God, God, will you please change Derek's heart? Give me a desire to be a dad. So we committed. We we're going to pray from August to December. So I prayed that whole semester that God would change my heart. January came, and I cannot explain this whatsoever. I woke up one day. I'm like, I want to be a dad. I can't explain it. Nothing happened. I didn't do anything. I didn't read a book. There's no book. Well, there probably are books on being, wanting to be a dad. I didn't read that book. I didn't feel ready. I wasn't like, I'm about to be the best dad ever. But I was like, I'm willing. Let's try. My heart was different. All I did was pray and showed up. Thinking back on it, the reason I didn't desire to have kids is because I was scared of how it was going to change my life. I was like, everything will be different. I can't spend all my day doing what I want. They cry. They do cry and poop, and spit up, and it's, it's, it, things change. My life was going to be different, and that scared me. And I think for many of you, you want to want Jesus. You want to be a devoted follower of God, but you're scared. You want to give God your devotion, but you're scared to give him your undivided devotion because you're wondering, well, this is going to change my life. Maybe you're scared how you'll ever have fun if you give up that sin. How could you possibly function without your sin other? There are your sense of worth. Like, what would my life look like if I was actually all with Jesus? I'd be one of those crazy people at the front jumping around. I don't want to be crazy. Like, what my parents think? Do I have to be awkward if I become a Christian? No, you don't. You can say not awkward. Like, how is life going to work out if I don't give my whole life to making a ton of money and getting a great job and I give up all that for Jesus? You're scared to be all in with God because you know it's going to change your life. And here's the reality. That's very, very, very true. It will change everything, but it'll be the best change you've ever made. 
I would not trade being a dad for anything besides my relationship with Jesus and Taylor. Yes, I've lost a lot of freedom in becoming a dad. I have a lot less time for myself. I don't have as much fun anymore, just being honest with you. They're fun, but there's something fun about just watching more Percy Jackson. So yes, I have less time for myself, but it's so worth it. Jesus is the same way. Yes, you will have to say no to some things. Yes, you'll need to give up some time of yourself and have less selfish pursuit. Yes, he will have to become the most important thing in your life. But it's so worth it. So if you want Jesus, and you want to jump all in and be all in with Jesus, here's my encouragement for you. If you want to want it, but, you're, but you don't, do what I did. Pray. Say, God, I want to want you. I want to be hungry, but I'm not. Will you fix that? I promise you God will answer that prayer. I promise. I'll dig and take it to the bank. Pray and ask God to fill you with hunger. Pray for God to change your heart. And then there's a second part. So pray for God to change your heart and then do what you can. Start doing the things the devoted person of Jesus would do. Don't just pray, God, change my heart, but then never come to Chi Alpha, never read your Bible or anything. You gotta do two things. You gotta pray like it depends on God, but then you gotta work like it depends on you. If you do those two things, pray like it all depends on God, but then you actually work like it depends on you, God will fill you with hunger beyond your wildest imagination. God will change your heart and it'll be the best thing that's ever happened to you. So my question for us tonight, Chi Alpha, is what do you need to offer up to Jesus so you can have undivided devotion? Do you need to give him your tears? Do you need to be willing to be passionate about him, even if it's not natural? Do you need to give up your comfort? Do you need to be willing to give a little uncomfy for Jesus? Do you need to offer up your pride? Start being willing to be humbled or embarrassed and to not be liked by the people around you, to fear God more than you fear man. Or maybe, just maybe, there's some alabaster jar you gotta break open. Is there an area of your life that you've been holding back from God? Is there something you need to give up, even if it's really, really costly, so you can have undivided devotion to Jesus? What is holding you back from being all in? Will you give it up? If you do, I promise it'll be worth it. In John's version of this story, it says, after Mary poured the perfume on Jesus, that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. See, when we're devoted to Jesus, it doesn't just change our lives. It changes the whole room around us. When we live a life of devotion, the house is filled with the fragrance of God. When you and I are devoted to Jesus, people will notice. It will lead people to see Jesus in us. Our devotion to Jesus will fuel our mission for Jesus and we'll be so sold out that we have to tell the people around us about the goodness of God. A life of devotion will give off this beautiful fragrance of the love of King Jesus. And Chi Alpha, if you want to know how we're ready for revival, this is how revival will come. Revival will not come when we just try harder, get better ideas. Revival's not going to come from us being the coolest ministry in the world. It's not going to come from neon signs. I bought one. It didn't work. Revival is not going to come. This campus is not going to be turned upside down until a generation decides that Jesus is worth it. Revival will not break out on our campus until a generation of students say, I'm giving Jesus my undivided devotion. I'm going all in with that guy. Do you want revival? Do you want the people around you to come to know Jesus? Do you want to see you and I be filled with people worshiping Jesus? If so, 
got to go all in. When a generation decides to give Jesus undivided devotion, revival will break out. I was at this prayer conference this past week, like I told you, and during one of the sessions, I got this vision. I don't get visions very often from God. Again, that's not the way my brain works. But I got this vision of that lawn out there being filled with people on their knees worshiping Jesus. And I was like, that's what I want to live for. And I think the reason it was out there and not in here is because Jesus was saying, I'm not just focused on getting church kids and Christians excited. I want to reach people who would never step foot in the Lang Auditorium for a church service to get hungry for Jesus. We will live a life of devotion. The fragrance is going to smell up the whole campus. So do you want to see the campus change for God? If so, you got to break open some jars and go all in with him. And if we do that, we'll be ready for revival. Main idea tonight, revival will come through undivided devotion. And see, the ultimate beauty of this story is actually the foreshadowing. This scene that we read all tonight happens right before Jesus is sent to the cross to die. Mary breaking open her jar is actually a symbol. It's a symbol of what Jesus was about to do on the cross. Jesus didn't break open a jar. He broke open his body and gave up everything he had. He died to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus was all in for us. Jesus offered up his life just so we can be saved and have a relationship with Jesus. As Pastor Casey was saying at the very beginning, what an honor and a privilege that our king would give up everything. He would break open his body for us. So no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run away from God, if you will accept this offering of Jesus and take it, then you're washed white as snow because Jesus gave up everything for you. So Jesus isn't asking us to do something he hasn't already done. Jesus broke open his body for us. Will we do the same for him? You all stand with me. Give us multiple ways to respond to tonight. So if you're here tonight, and if you've been running from God, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you just have been far away from him for a while, I want to give you an opportunity to change that, to turn back to God. So what I'd like you to do is everyone will close your eyes and bow your head so no one's looking around. I want you to give up a very simple offering to say you're going on with Jesus and just to raise your hand on the count of three to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to accept his offering and let him change my life. If that's you and you want to run back to Jesus on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. Tons of hands going up. Tons of hands. You are not alone. If that's you, again, you keep your eyes closed. I want you just to lift both your hands like just shortly in front of you, just as a posture of receiving. Just put them a little bit in front of you. Open your hands to him just to receive from him. Jesus, I pray a prayer of forgiveness. God, forgive us for what we've done. God, thank you for your sacrifice. God, thank you for breaking open your body for us. Jesus, we accept this offering and we promise that today's a new day. In your name, amen. Amen. All right. What I want you guys, you guys are gonna open your eyes. So now I want everyone to open your hands just like this. Just lay open your hands to receive. We're gonna go through a few different areas and what I'm gonna do 
is I'm gonna ask you, if you want to give up that offering, if that relates to you, I'm gonna ask you the same thing when I talk about it and raise just a hand as an offering to Jesus, an outward sign of what God is doing. So everyone will keep your hands like this. And if you relate to the specific area I'm about to talk about, raise up a hand as an offering to God, all right? So the first thing I wanna ask you is if you're here and you haven't given up your tears, your passion, your emotion to Jesus, raise your hand if you need to offer up your tears to Jesus right now. Raise your hand if you need to offer up your emotions and your passion to Jesus. We need to be a people who are emotional for God, right? I'm gonna pray. Keep your hand up. Jesus, I pray that we will be a people who gives up our tears. God, nothing should be held back from you, Jesus. Help us to be a passionate people, hungry for you, that will give it all for you. Amen. All right, you can go back to this posture now. We're gonna go to the second area. I want you now to raise up a hand if you need to offer up your comfort zone. Raise your hand right now if you have not been willing to get uncomfortable for Jesus. Jesus, I pray that we will be a people who are uncomfortable for your presence. God, that we'll get uncomfortable, that nothing will be held back. Jesus, I speak life over these people that our students will see that uncomfort is worth it, God. Push us out of our comfort zone and let us see people come to know you because of this group of people being uncomfortable. God, I pray that everyone in this room will know that it'll be worth it to get uncomfortable for Jesus, that they will not doubt this moment, but that this moment will be a marked change for them, Jesus. Amen. You can go back to this position. The third area, raise your hand if you need to offer up your pride for Jesus. If you need to be willing to get embarrassed, not think too highly of yourself. Jesus, I just pray that we'll be a humble people. God, I pray that Chi Alpha will be a people of humility that lower ourselves, God, so that we can honor you. Jesus, I pray humility upon humility. Amen. The last one is I want you to raise your hand if there's some jar you gotta break and there's something you gotta give up to be devoted to Jesus. Raise your hand right now if that's you and you've got a jar you need to break. There's something you're going to give up. Jesus, I just pray. God, I pray that we will not hold anything back from you. Jesus, that we will be devoted to you. And that anything, I, I, I sense people are scared even as they raise their hand or thinking, should I raise my hand? Because you're really nervous to give this thing up. I just want you to know that it'll be worth it. That Jesus is worth it. God, help us to not hold anything back from you, but to shatter some jars for your name. We're gonna go back into this song one last time, the song we sang at the end. And if you, as you're worshiping in this song, I want you to pay attention to the lyrics because it it's, lines up a lot with what I just said. The song just came out like three days ago. The Lord is really cool. So when we sing this song, I think some of us gotta get a little uncomfortable. No better time to give up pride and comfort and tears than right now, right? Don't let what God is speaking to you stay right now, but let's engage in worship, all right? Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you. And I pray that this will be a time of your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come down right now. God, we're not in a rush. We are not in a rush. We're gonna wait on you, Jesus. And I pray that your presence will be tangible in this room tonight.